0: So, how's it going, everyone? Today, we have the credible EJ Snyder. Um, EJ is a decorated Army veteran. Um, and an overall badass, if I can say. Uh, but where I kind of started realizing the, what EJ had to offer uh, was through his television shows, Naked Afraid, On There Three Times, Champion, numerous other shows. Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa. Four times. Four times. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Uh-oh, uh uh uh, uh, well, we'll have to see.
0: Times. So, I, I the first time I watched that, I'm kind of like, man, I don't am I drawn in because they have no clothes on? But then I'm like, well, these aren't random people; they're naked. These are people that probably have the skill set at least to even get this far. Yeah, and I watch it. I watch the first season. Watch the second season. I'm like. The central theme here is, is you. And then you come into one season where a bunch of people couldn't even compete. You came in last minute, yep. and I'm kind of like, okay, who is this guy? So go back to the last March when I start this podcast. I'm like, I need people like this. I want to talk to you because I wasn't aware of your military background or your training and all that stuff. I just knew you as this character yourself on the show. But then reach out to you and talk to you I and mean, these other stuff ideas we're working on. But again, EJ, it's great to have you on here.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me on, John. Um, yeah, my background uh, I grew up in North Jersey, kind of a tough neighborhood, not really the place you'd find somebody that you'd think be a wild man like me getting out there in the outdoors and surviving. Uh, long story, but uh, for the most part, my dad, he was a big outdoorsman, loved hunting, trapping, took me out there. I really fell in love with the outdoors as a young kid, went in the army. Airborne infantry ranger background. Uh, While I was a ranger instructor in Florida, I actually became the primary survival instructor. I went to formal survival training. Uh, It was something I was kind of into from ranger school, but once I became the guy to to, to lead the uh, rangers at my section for survival, I went to Army Seer School. Absolutely just fell in love with the fact that I want to be a guy that can go out there anywhere in the world, survive bad days. During that time, we had Y2K and all the, oh, the world's ending kind of stuff going on. So I did that. I did tracking and uh, went to a tracking course, learned how to man track and, uh, you know, turn that into animal tracking for my hunting days. Uh, And then I just became obsessed with survival. And it was something I always wanted to do really well. So I went to different environments all over the world, learning how to survive and when I got out of the Army, I became a contract instructor for about five years for the Special Warfare Center, teaching survival, teaching, you know, future Green Berets how to survive behind enemy lines. And that entails many different things besides just wilderness survival. Right. And uh, I was doing some TV stuff on the side, stunt work, doing some acting. It was a kind of a hobby love of mine as a kid. And then Discovery found me, tried me out for dual survival. Uh, when they uh, were replacing Dave Canterbury, who's a great friend and mentor of mine, uh, and they picked Joe Tedi over me. So they gave me the consolation prize to be filming the pilot of Naked Afraid in Tanzania, Africa with a strange woman I didn't know. And uh, we went out there, and if we didn't figure it out, there wouldn't have been a, a Naked Afraid. So my greatest pride of Naked Afraid is that Kelly Nightlinger and I got it right and we have all these other people came behind us and got to do this experience that we got. And right. then like said, uh, I got asked to come back when pe- three people quit the Amazon, knocked out the Amazon, did the first Naked Freight XL, which was 12 people in Colombia. Uh,
0: back in 2019, I did, uh,
1: was sent to the Balkan Mountain for 21 days by myself and survived that. And a little birdie may say that in April, around the 25th, or somewhere somehow, somebody might have went out again for a time and see how we do right? And uh, in all that, I also did Season 9 of Duel Survival uh, as the host with uh, my partner, Jeff Bell, and I did the first season of uh, First Round with Stanford, so it's been a whirlwind, it's been a blessing, and man, uh, I love just getting out there competing in these survival challenges and... Show people how to get through days, you know. I'm a survival instructor on my own, I got my own company, Skull Crusher LLC. I teach survival, I consult, I do trekking guides, all kinds of stuff. Go to
0: ejsnider.com and
1: see everything I'm into. But there you go,
0: yeah. I mean, so today I'm kind of doing research on you, trying to fill in the cracks here and there. Everything you just said, I'm just it's kind of like it's almost like you three different people who lived all these lives, and so when you're <laughs> First of all, how did you get to nickname Skull Crusher in the military?
1: Okay, so that, that nickname comes back to when I got bullied as a kid. You know, I didn't just find a bully. I had a pack of bullies getting on me. So for about six months, these kids would pick on me. So I took it upon myself. I, I didn't like it. My stepdad taught me how to box. I got into boxing. I was learning wrestling in school. And then I was too poor to learn how to do karate or pay for karate classes. So anytime one of my little buddies went to judo, jiu-jitsu, taekwondo, I said, hey, teach me what you learned, and I developed MMA before it was even MMA, I'm sure, uh, it was a very unorthodox style that I fought with, but it gave me the confidence to, get to these guys, so when I got in the army, I started doing boxing smokers, it was kind of before the uh, advanced hand-to-hand combat system we have now modeled after MMA, uh, but I loved it, and so one day I was in the barracks uh, having a we were at a little barracks party, and there was this known guy who was real a hole, and he sucker punched people all the time. So I'm just having a conversation with my buddy drinking beer, and I see this fist come flying by my head, hits my friend square in the eye, breaks his uh, open up his uh, eyebrow, and I'm looking at this, and I turn around and see that it's this guy, so I shove him to the ground I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> just, like, really pissed off. I turn around, look at my friend, and I'm like, dude, we gotta get you to the hospital. Next thing you know, some kind of glass object breaks on the back of my head. I don't know if it was a beer mug or a beer bottle to this day, but then I get the bloodless. My eyes turn red, I turn around, I'm like, dude, you're better off. Sandpaper and a grizzly bear's ass, they're messing with me. And I jumped on him, I start hitting him, <laughs> We go to the ground, my buddies pull me off, I'm like, dude, Got my friend to the hospital, he, he needs so the next day. I'm walking in a formation, and you know how you get in the military. You get a... And everyone's like, Hey, what's up, Skull What's up, I'm thinking, hey, What is going on? So I fall into formation. I look over to the other uh, platoon, and there's this guy, the guy's there, his face is all bandaged up. And apparently, he suffered a few fractures from a side 19 cinder block. But I tell everybody, Look, I pride myself. I never throw a first punch outside the ring, or uh, unless it's combat. But I've thrown a lot of a hell of a lot of last punches in my life.
0: It's incredible, and so I'm just I'm just kind of blown away by your military. Because it's like obviously you you get out as e E nine, but you you live, you have this career, twenty five years, uh, Gulf War, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Yeah. So this whole time you're accruing kind of your love of what you do now, survival and tracking and all this stuff. And so I guess if you're, as you're doing these classes and trainings, did you find it that you, were there other people you worked with that you kind of could, kind of help you get along? Like, how would you, how would you deal with someone if you're the primal survival guy and other right. people around you on your team are up to your level? Is it, does it make your job it, tougher or is your kind j- of training take over?
1: Right. I mean, you know, in the military, we're a different breed altogether. I, I think I was a different breed even than that. I was very eccentric, very in-your-face, very loud, led from the front. But I led with my heart. Very emotional guy, emotions on my sleeve. I loved my troops, and I and I treated them like they were my own kids. You know, and I it was a drill sergeant, a ranger instructor. I've got a long list of things that I did that were very – can be in your face, it's a mentality, it's a mindset that you have to people say, how do you develop the mind? Where does that mental toughness come from? It comes through the trials and tribulations of your life, your career, what you do. So when I get out there, I do not look down the barrel of anybody. You know, anybody can have a great idea. I've had a lot of privates with great ideas in the army, but even in survival, it's it's a team event, really. You need each other. And you know, I'm used to being on my own. Doing it, you know, I'll, if you can't do it, I'm going to eat dead myself. Forget about you. But for me to ask for help was something I really learned it in Naked and Afraid, the challenges I've been on. You know, there, everyone has something that can, tri- can contribute. We're not all on the same level, but somebody, I mean, I'm not the best primitive fire starter on the planet. So if there's someone better than at that than I am, Man, you have to leave your ego behind in a situation. There really is no room for ego. So when I look at certain partners, I look at them, and all I ask is that, look, be honest about your skill set. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be above me. It's not a competition. We're here together to do something important and survive. And my first partner, that was kind of a challenge, but we've come to terms with it since. Um, But each time I learned a lesson, you know, and and war and I, and I killed the an eel, and I got to the warrior spirit because I was gonna. She just got done telling me this thing can kill you, EJ, and I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets mad because she's like, "Oh, you're coming from a place of anger," which it wasn't. But I understood she's a civilian and didn't understand what the warrior spirit's all about. And so then each time, I, the first time I was with twelve others, and you know, leadership was – I was out there, you know, using my leadership skills, but I had to do it very subtly. A lot of bush hippies don't want to hear some militant guy coming in there and say, do it this way because it's the right way and so we're going to all make it. Even though they need – you know, sometimes people don't know they need to be led, and they kind of did. And – but my thing in that one uh, was I left there without a sense of – you know, I uh, I felt I, I, I was the guy that should have gotten to do in a better way. And we missed that point. And then it just became evident that me and Jeff were very primal. we were out there to do survival and not around or play any games. And they were out there with, not that their strategy was wrong, but they were taking it a little bit slower, more paced. And that was fine. Uh, and then I was left by myself, which was fine. I do a lot of things in solitude. I go out. I, by myself, hike, put myself in those situations half my whole life. But what I figured out, being by myself in that event, naked, afraid, alone, alone. man, I had such an appreciation for partnership <laughs> after I left that challenge because Bulgaria tried to kill me. It'd have been nice to be out there with me. Uh, to help I know how bad it sucks because when you go out there it's always nicer to go out with somebody and suffer with somebody. They'll know the rest of your days how bad it was. whether we're in a war. Uh, you guys gals in your platoon know, and suffer through war. Only they're gonna know exactly what you went through. So here I am in Bulgaria and I'm getting my uh, my, my breakout meal, it's time to eat. Yeah. i right, I'm gonna get some chow. And they bring in this whole platter of meat. And the people at the Kerrian's office are like He will die. All I said to the guy was, "Look, get me the same meal I got when I went in. It was a big plate of sausages and meat and and some salad and and rice." I'm like, "That's a tradition for me. I eat the same thing. It was my last meal going out. It's when I come back." Boston translation. They brought me a platter for eighty people. (laughs) My point is, I'm sitting there in this hotel room by myself. And no one to share this victory with but myself, and I was like, "Wow!" So then I happened to get another opportunity, possibly um, during our times with the pandemic, to go out, get one for the thumb. Possibly, I won't say how it all turned out, but uh, I was blessed to possibly—I I was blessed to go back out for a fifth, which was amazing. In itself, is an adventure that uh, gave me a lot of other things. After four times going out, you think, what else can you learn? Never think that way, and I don't, because you will always learn something about yourself. You say, you're taking years off your life. I'm like, look, I'm adding years to my life. Right. I'm doing this because I'm learning more about myself than I can take. And more than that, Something I never thought of this. I thought just going out naked, do something cool with the knife. Same thing with dual survival. Just get to you know get out there and do some cool things. The hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people we have inspired and influenced to learn survival, learn to take care of themselves across the globe has been very. And If I'm God's voice for that his tool vessel to get that out there so people bad days are coming, get ready. We're seeing it in Texas right now. Um then I'm I'm glad that if I'm that guy. And listen, I'm fifty five years old. Age is a number. Don't let it stop you. I'm doing double nickels now. I never do the speed limit, but sometimes I like to go under the speed limit. Definitely right. What I've seen in life, in the moments, in the breaths, in every step. So, yeah, this has um, been a blessing, and if I'm blessing others through it, amazing. But uh, yeah, 55 years old doesn't stop me. I'm still coming at you. So it's
0: uh, it, your story is just, it is motivating to see you do all this stuff and. I've learned so much, whether it's starting a fire or how to make a trap or how to make a fishing, uh, how to catch fish without the tools I'm used to. and Stuff like that where you're kind of, it's amazing. So I guess, is there an area of the world or a location that, one, you would love to do something at? And two, is there an area of the world, if you could avoid it, you would never go back?
1: I always tell them I'm only a phone call away as I was for the Amazon. Right. I literally had six days to get down to the Amazon and take it to the Amazon. <laughs> They called me up. It's like, oh, I got, I'm losing money. We got, we've got three people quit. All the locals say nobody can do it. I'm like, I can do that shit. Hold my beer. And so, how do you
0: eventually I- prepare for that in those six days? Because obviously, you're trading, you're back, like this is your yeah. alpha, but you still have to prepare for six days, and you don't know what, necessarily what you're jumping into.
1: And this is true to a degree for in, in what you're saying. I go back to my basic survival skills you know i train those i train them all the time and applying the basics of survival be really good at several things don't get too fancy don't overthink it cuz when they build a better mouse trap
0: yep. never
1: works what i say they're fun to build but when you're relying to get some food with it keep it simple but i go off my basics of survival i apply the principles of areas where i go most jungles operate the same way most swamps operate generally the same way. And then what I do is a quick study. Normally, I take about a 72-hour period. I get the books, I, every book I can on the fauna and wildlife and start studying, you know, what's edible, what's not. What kind of animals am I going to be dealing with? What do I need to watch out for? You know, and for me, it it's like when I would go into battle, before I would cross the LD, I would take a knee, say a prayer. Just like when you go in, you go in about ten minutes into the yep. battle, you, the LD, you do sales, I apply that to survival, and then what I've learned when I was in the Amazon was I need to tap back into my primal self, tune with my spirit. And now, you know, you may some people may call Jedi powers, you know, tap into the universe. It's a real thing. It's a sixth sense that saved my life in battle and saved my Keister many times out there in survival, where people are like, "Aren't you?" I understand animal wildlife behavior. So I know where these snakes are going to be hanging out. So you avoid them or you do things to prevent it. Uh, you, you set yourself up for success. When you set your shelter up, clear the debris away from your shelter 30 yards. So at night when something's slithering past it, you can <laughs> get the ash from the fire and sprinkle around the circle. And then you take your leaks. You know, hygiene... I always set up a tree meters away. But when I'm setting up my eyes, I'm claiming a zone and territory. I'm going to piss around the circle and let the animals know, hey, I'm here. And then, you know, you do all these things to prepare and, and you never change anything. Now, I always wanted to go to Australia and you New know, Zealand that zone. So I would, because uh, there's a lot of dangerous, nasty things in Australia. So I always tell them, send me where no man should walk. That's where I want to go. <laughs> on the other side with a tan and a smile and so there's really no places i will run away from um i i you know every environment has its its strengths its its weaknesses its challenges and and things to overcome and then it's got all of its rewards if you
0: know where to look and so one of the coolest things is that you mentioned all these places but I've heard of some of the shows where it's in the backwoods of Louisiana or the desert of Arizona. It's like it's literally 20, 30 miles off the main highway from the stores. Right. But out within 20 miles, you are no man's land. That's for me as kind of mind-blowing. I love that you said that, John. And that is a great point because people are like,
1: oh, I'll go somewhere exotic. And I love going to exotic places outside the country because I get to put a stamp in my passport. I read a the magazine outside one time, they're like, How do you want to um, jumpstart your life? You know, I don't have a bucket list, I have I'm gonna get there list. I don't, right. bucket list ends, my list is never gonna end. And so, I saw in there and said, You want to make your life interesting, get a passport and fill it up. So, that's what I've been doing, right? But people don't realize there are some dangerous places here, right here in the United States, that are very exotic. You can get out in in like you said in the desert out in south in the southwest somewhere, and you can be out twenty miles and, and forget about it. No one's coming there. They they buried probably mafia bodies are buried out there in Nevada. Right. You said Louisiana. Louisiana is like my second home. I love Louisiana. I love the swamps there. I love the food. I love New Orleans. I got right. my- but, you know, the Everglades, everyone says, oh, the, the most dangerous swamp in the uh, United States is the Everglades. A lot of bad things there and all that. And that's true, but it's very temperate climate. It's a virtual grocery store. It's a hardware store for survivalists. And, yeah, there's some nasty things in there, and you got to be ready. But an unforgiving place are the Louisiana swamps. The Atchafalaya uh, Swamp Basin, I would, I would argue, in my opinion, is the most... Dangerous swamp in the United States, and I've been in a lot of swamps. Yeah. It's nasty, unforgiving, and it's not just the animals that would take you out, it's the weather, the hurricanes, the cold, um, you know, the nasties you can't see, the pathogens in the water, nutrient itch. You want to find something really crazy eat? in your life, look up nutrient itch. Find you out know what know that's, that's all about. You do not want that kind of stuff. And you know, hurricanes come in there and they wreck the place. Uh, you think you're walking on solid ground and you're instantly in quicksand or a bog. You think you're walking on a tree branch that's super strong. The things it looks strong on the outside, bark looks good. Weak as hell, breaks. You're ten feet, twenty feet up. Forget about it. So, yeah, that we have very dangerous places. You can get up high, fourteen thousand feet in the mountains in the United States, and it's a barren land. Right side of the cliff, and one of these winter storms come in. Who would think that Texas, now, they've had,
0: right now,
1: they are getting pummeled. And there was a mayor that's resigned recently because he made a remark on Twitter that said, um, you know, help's not coming for you. You're responsible for your own family, and so, you know, what do you want me to do about this? Now, when you're a leader, you have a leadership responsibility as a political leader. To do things, whether it's the pandemic, a natural disaster, terrorist attack, whether inside it, or outside our country, uh, leadership's leadership.
0: You 100%, don't say. One hundred percent. Still confidence why they put you in the job.
1: However, to his
0: to his words, we have a certain responsibility:
1: once one to ourselves; two, to our loved ones; and three, to our neighbors, to help. There's some great stories coming out where these neighbors. Uh, there was uh, they. Didn't have Neighbors had a fireplace. They had this lady, uh, I, she was an older lady, had some health issues, got her to the fireplace to get warm. That's one greatness her, when you help each other, you know, and you do have a responsibility. And I always tell people there's three things everyone should know on the planet know how to swim, it'll save your life, and, and you won't drown. You know, one reason, basically, how to swim that's a survival skill. Two, learn basic first aid, you help yourself. Possibly save the life of another. Learn basic survival skills. I don't care if you're doing it from watching TV and self practicing, watching YouTube videos, reading manuals, they're all great stuff. But find you a quality survival school that's giving a course that's affordable. Hopefully, there's the problem with survival now that it's cool. There's a lot of charlatan survival instructors out there. So learn who you're, you're getting ready to hire, find their credentials out. There are some big schools like. Cody Lundine School out in Arizona. Uh, Dave Canterbury's Pathfinder School. Sigma 3 has a great course. But in lieu of that, you know, some of them are very expensive. There are some people that are doing more affordable. So just know the school you're going to, know the people, do a Google search, best 20, you know, top 20 schools. I, I offer classes, I'm negotiable. I offer basic weekend group. Larger group courses. I run, you know, uh, round robins with up to 180 people. And we have five stations. Because if there's just one thing you remember from the Naked and Afraid or the survival class you went to and it saves your life, it's money well spent. You know, so when your life's on the line, people are like, I'll spend $1,500 on the line. You should do the same thing for your survival tool in night was in my first episode on uh, that challenge. In Tanzania, my knife broke. I swore I'd never let that happen again. There was not the knife I needed on the market. I tested a ton of them. They said the one-two option doesn't exist. Well, it does now. I designed with Top's Knives the SXB, Skull Crusher's Extreme Blade, to throw back to the original. I had yep. a good fit. I'm I'm an advocate of a good fixed blade. Now, maybe you don't need one as big as mine, but mine is a chopper. small tasks. I create a small uh, compatibility blade to go along with it so I can have a good spear point called the SXS, Skullcrusher's Extreme Sidekick, because every great action hero needs a sidekick. Right. You got right. The, SXB, the SXS. But my point is uh, if that's too big for you, get. I always tell everyone, I write for uh, Knives Illustrated, I say, they ask, what's the best survival knife? Well, one is the.
0: What well, you situation. have,
1: on you? Get the one that works for you. The one you know how to use and can handle without getting hurt. Because there's a learning curve when you pick up something new. Always um, slowest. Well,
0: you get with when, when, when someone buys a gun or something, just because they can, they just buy the gun. They don't trade with it. With all these different nighttime by your bed. Well, same thing with a knife. It's like why wouldn't you know how to pull out your thing safely or how to close it or how to sharpen it? Like stuff like that. It's like, why buy something if you're not going to trade with it?
1: Yes. You have to know your tools. I carry a lot of different knives for different things on my survival pack. I was a gear guy. That's how you hear him say, well, EJ might not do so well with you. He doesn't have his military gear. Oh, maybe he, <laughs> now, oh, EJ did really well. He took to primitive survival. It was a skill that I had let slide. It's something I knew. But it wasn't something I ever thought I'd rely on. And uh, that first Naked Afraid I ever did made me go back to the drawing board. I was working at the Sears School. My buddies were down in the survival wing. I went down there, got my one friend who was the best at primitive fire, and said, hey, get me back up to par. Drill me like I am an idiot again, please. Right, And I yeah. love it when you have good friends like that that want to torture you. So we went back to the drawing board, and I, I just re uh, myself to get my skills back up to par. Um, and so with that, I've been teaching so many others. I've taught people that are heading out to Naked Afraid. Uh, they signed up for a five-day class with me or a weekend, and I get them as on par as I can. And um, I just love teaching people and sharing my experiences and these skills with people. So, um, but it is a lot of work and it is time consuming, so I prefer to teach more Less, but
0: uh, now, uh, would you actually actively kind of looking at these tapes from people going through, like you said? And what, like, what is what goes into these kind of trials to make it to the filming of an episode of Naked and Afraid?
1: In the beginning, you know, when I started with it, they you know, they recruited me Discovery, they found me that way because of you know my skill set. And um, so I will tell you that about the first three seasons, we had pretty much kicked over most of the stones of great survivalists within the survival community that want to get out, and challenge themselves, former military folks, bushcrafters. Gotcha. So when you look at those first three seasons, you'll see a lot of more quality patterns. Nothing against the rest of the seasons afterwards, but it started getting harder because people thought either the show was goofy or that's not real challenge. Or this or that. You No. Know, the first layer of, survival, of shelter is your clothing. <laughs> and when you take that away, you expose a physical, there's a physical shelter guard plus a psychological shelter. And so it's a really tough challenge. So they asked me around the third season to come on and take over for doing the casting interviews for the PSRs and do the real survival stuff. So when I looked at that and I realized that I was starting to say no to a lot more people, then we we gotta have a we gotta have a show we gotta have a challenge we gotta get people out there, and so maybe regular people are looking to challenge themselves. Maybe I need to rethink this. That maybe yes, survival skills are important. And and I saw this girl; she was 16 years old, if I remember, recall her name right. Her first name was April. I think I believe it was April, and she was flying, I believe, from Montana to Washington State to the western side. Her grandparents. Uh, where the, uh, they were flying the, 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 the and there were two other people besides her on there and she went down somewhere in that route, a plane crashed into a mountain. And when she came to everyone was dead except for her. Her and her dad used to watch the survival shows on TV to include naked and afraid and what she did at that point was make a plan. She tried to put out signals. She knew help would be coming within a certain amount of time. Then eventually she walked herself out of there. Doing the things she learned from this TV show. And then I realized, look, there's guys cutting their arms off, stuck in crevices, up on mountains. So what does that take? So I took the PSR, I cut it into six in half to six categories. So I took, you know, uh my mindset, skills, and physical, and I cut all that stuff. What does that mean? Right. So I cut skills in half, I cut mindset in half, and I cut uh the the endurance part, everything in half. So six categories. And I weight those from 1 to 10, and then I get everybody an average score, and you get a true PSR. Once they leave me, though, I can't tell you what happens to that PSR. Some crazy pink Blinko machine must figure it out after that. But when they leave me, it's a true PSR reading. And that way, it gets people that are mentally strong, that went through some life experiences that were really tough. It says a lot about how they got through it, flexibility, adaptability, are they physically fit, can they handle a 21-day beatdown? Forty days, no longer. yeah. So you can't go more than three, three minutes without air, three hours without shelter and security, three days without water. So that's how the show was initially developed and designed. Now you start to talk forty days, you better have a skill or two. But so I started, I revamped it, and I started. Getting a lot of, we got, we've had a lot of great people. You want to hear a great story, Max? look at Max. I mean, Max was a fan. He went through a no. fan yeah. episode for 14 days. Then he did 21 day for episode. He was the only one to finish off of that. Same thing with his uh, a fan episode. Then he went on and did um, he did the Philippines for 40 days and made it through that. Then he did his an alone episode for 21 days. And then he went out uh, I think he went out I won't say for sure, but Max could have been out for so knowing these people are out there that are trying to excel and be better and, and, and show what they've got and show their inner grit that's what I like in a person is mindset and grit and if you're if you have the right proper mindset say look I ain't good for nothing right you have that mindset and anything in life right? addiction life-threatening illness people bullying you whatever it is if you have the right mindset College, career. Winner's you mindset, you're gonna win. Get the grit means I don't care how much sand you throw on my crotch, how barefooted I am, or whatever it is, I'm gonna get through that. And that's another thing that you're either born with or you've gotta learn through life. And then physically, hopefully, you know, you've got enough um, toughness in your physical body, your makeup, that you don't get sick and you can take the beating because you will get a beating. Uh, I've lost an immense amount of weight on these, but I do put a lot of weight on these challenges because I'm an old bodybuilder. I know what my body's going to do, and if I don't pack on an extra 25 pounds, it's going to think I'm back in the gym getting ready for a bodybuilding competition and
0: I'm going to be
1: losing weight faster than I like
0: to. What's the worst injury that's come off with a cast member for that show? I mean, obviously I know people haven't passed and they've had to leave because of injuries, but what is the I, I'm always curious if the TV kind of doesn't right. tell you what really happens. Like, what is the worst?
1: We've had some happened? people. We've had some people leave the challenge with all kinds of parasites, all oh, kinds no. of illnesses, bad blood work, uh, spinal meningitis. Manu got um, the blood version of meningitis. Had to relearn how to walk. Uh, Jeff Zouch was almost dead by the time he got to the hospital. Um, Charlie Frattini, I think, almost damn near had a heart attack, and he had some problems and was stuck in the Philippines. Um, So there's been some really bad close calls. I will say um, this next uh, Nick and Afraid XL, airing probably in late April, early May, probably was the most closest someone's come to death. Uh, the most worst injury ever sustained. And uh, just due to infection and other things that could have happened. Uh, and I can only say I can't say much more about um, about it. You'll just have to watch. Wow, and, right. See who it is and uh, see how it turns out. Uh, now,
0: uh, when, I, when I watch movies that are have the Secret Service or like Law enforcement stuff, and I'm very critical of. If it's an action movie, I get it. Like, have some laughs. It's stupid, just action. Cool, I get it. It would never happen, but it looks great on TV. When you watch, um, and I know you do some movie and TV consulting with your background stuff, but when you are watching TV or something you're not a part of, and you see something someone does, whether it is reality based or a actual movie or TV show fiction, yeah. do you kind of go? Man, why didn't they hire me to show like, why didn't yeah. they have hire someone in place like me to really show what really happens or how would people react to stuff?
1: Yeah, I, that was the biggest thing. I was actually getting ready to retire from the army, and I was like, I need another career. And I loved, you know, I was as a kid, I loved doing the, the plays and doing the acting stuff. And I was like, I always wanted to be a stunt man. My mom said it was that was a stupid idea i would starve and so i joined the army it's like all right you don't want me doing that i'm gonna join the army get shot at that'll be fun right and so i i started doing some stuff in life where i retired as that was became my hobby because it drove me nuts i'm like these people out there holding the gun the wrong way and this and that right and you know there's no unfortunately criteria for who they're hiring to do this stuff and you get some guy that worked in the LAPAO office who was a uh, Air Force guy or a, not on the Air Force, but they, he, he's not going to know how to be an Airborne Ranger or a special operator or a Navy SEAL. The only guys that know how to really do that stuff, you and I could probably pull it off, but it's to get the guys that really do it. Do do? Now They'll die. Jim Dever are two of the big names in terms of military advisement on big films. They handle the big stuff and that's no easy task. I uh, I I could not pull that off the the numbers that they do in terms of like saving private Ryan. Think about choreographing that battle scene.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, right.
1: Levels above what I could handle. Um but doing some smaller stuff great. Um but it does drive me crazy. Uh in survival, you know, you see people doing a technique and it's like that's hokey-dokey, but yeah, it sells TV. And it was like, I realized that you don't have a say-so. I'm sitting on the set of lost, playing one of the bad guys, playing one of the freighter boat mercenaries, all camouflaged up, got my flat top going, got my got my M6, uh, my my M4, and we're and I'm doing control pairs, control threes, choo-choo, choo-choo, fighting the others. The director says, Whoa, 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 wait, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Uh control that's how we do it. We're professionals. Ooh. No, 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 no. Spray it like a Tommy gun, like those gangsters in Chicago. We need lots of flashing. It, it's gotta be. I'm like, but we don't have a. I'll get someone will give you the magazine. Don't worry about it. So I'm sitting there with these monster magazines. And um and they got it the angle so that the guy can just I can drop the magazine and they stick another one in, it, stick another one. Ah, I'm like, oh my buddies are gonna kill me. Oh he's the director. I'm getting paid to play, so here I am to play, so let's go. So that's when I learned that I probably will not be too happy doing that. I better figure something else out because even when I watch TV now, I I was watching a show the other day. uh, I've watched some shows and I see these people just holding the shotgun the wrong way or it's too heavy for the actress to handle it. It's like, give her a pistol. Why does she have to be cool and hold the shotgun? I get it. She's the lead heroine, but it's just, it's even with blanks, it can be dangerous, you know. It's right. like
0: people have died, right?
1: I'm
0: it's, not in the military
1: uh, anymore, so I just gotta kind of roll with the punches in the world of men. So it's, try to not uh, try not to go full bush hippie.
0: <laughs> when I, uh, I think the first time I got into this thrill of watching people compete or kind of was the first couple seasons of Survivor. With all oh, I love Survivor. And after the first couple, like I love Rudy, the Marine, or the Marine guy, the military guy, the older guy, yeah. uh, then the guy that got naked the first season. The first couple seasons were great, but then I realized it's on network television. They can't yeah. really do what they want, let's say Discovery or History Channel. And then it kind of like they're manufacturing the drama. Between yep. oh sleeping with who or talking or yeah. the gossip and backstabbing, which I get's part of a competition, but the real drama should focus on how to start the fire when you have nothing, everything's mm-hmm. wet or There are whatever. Yeah, Survivor, after
1: about season 12, where they think that's where they put the line for what they call old school versus new school. Right. And they started trying these different gimmicks that didn't work. And you could even argue after All-Stars, it kind of went off the rail a little bit. They were just starting to cast more prettiness and this and that, not real people. But because I was cast for season 21, I think, of Survivor, naked uh, Nicaragua, the over-40, under-30 season. And that's when I had just got out of the Army. I was uh, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to finally get on my show. You know, I've been on their radar for a while, applied for years. And um, they replaced me at the last minute when Jimmy Johnson, the football coach, cleared his medicals. So I don't know if that was God intervening or the spirit (laughs) saying, hey, we got something better for you. But I kept putting my name out there. I had everybody from, even I was even cast for a season of Big Brother of all things. Good Thank friend. God they replaced me on that one. Uh, but it, I, I I even hung up on them three times. And said, I hate your show. I don't want to be part of it. And they're like, oh, you'll be a great villain. We love you. Be like, yeah, you stick me in a house with Ken and Barbie dolls. Shit's gonna get broke. And. All those were stepping stones to my casting process to different shows and different casting agents, uh, figuring out who I was to give me other opportunities. So it's um, been a really crazy roller coaster journey to land myself in Discovery Channel uh, as a main face for th- this series. You know, some call me the Godfather Naked Afraid. You know, it's just I have a very recognizable face. And uh, way I present myself, some say the WWE of of survival. It's I'm big, I'm loud. This way, Stafford wanted me to race him in Thailand because I was this brashest, uh, stereotypical GI that you know is allowed. And they're they're going to come bullish at this thing, and I'm going to beat him at his own game, and that kind of thing. So it's TV. You've got to sell soap suds and cars, is what I tell everybody, and they get mad that you don't see enough survival on TV, and we do as well. Uh, but the editors have control of it. You got 509 hours for a 21-day episode. That's just on the main camera. That's not counting diary cameras, camp cameras, GoPros, and and game cams to cut 43 minutes. Uh, and then I think it was a thousand ninety hours. No, it's more than that for the 40 days because you've got 40 days out there. So, it was, yeah, it was like 1,090 hours, but that's just one camera. There's so many cameras out there now. It's crazy, and they're everywhere.
0: In some of these locations where you end up killing an animal or something, is there – like how is it – I mean, like if you're in the stateside, you have to kill an animal. Like does PETA get involved in organizations like that that are making sure if this content goes out – that you're killing this animal, like, one well, legally, but, like, in a proper way? Like, well, they will, they
1: will edit. They have edit rules of what and how they can show it. Okay. And they, they're very respectful. I mean, even on First Man Out, uh, we are we very concerned with that because it was an international show. Right. Uh, you go to different countries, you have to follow their laws. Um, when I went to Bulgaria, uh, again, last lost a translation of Bulgarian to English. Oh, yeah, yeah. Come out this would be great. There's lots of things you can see, you can move, kill everything. And this is not a new Okay, great. We get out there. There are so many rules of protecting. First of all, most of the small mammals that are all protected. You cannot, you can't trap or snare an animal unless you're observing the trap 24 7. You can't use cordage, right. which animals always themselves out of it. And if I would have killed one of the hogs, there's a chance that I would have eaten one that was infected with a brain-eating parasite, that would have killed the egg. So we find these things out when you're like, <clears> okay, <throat> yeah, VJ kills one. We might have to test that before he actually consumes it unless he can get his fire up to 200-something degrees and kill the thing, just like they do with leprosy. It's, so it's, there's a lot of rules that you can't do this and all of a sudden it's like, well, looks like I'm going to be vegetarian on this one. Which I was, if it wasn't for my knowledge of wild animals in the area. The study I did, I had stinging nettles, wild plums, wild apples, blueberries, blackberries. I did that made it. Walnuts were my main protein. I did have a little bit of fish, so I guess it was a really vegetarian. But that's why I, I get these people. I cast them, and I love when they come in to, to to tell me the interview. Oh, so so give me a little background on how you grew up, where you got your skills. Survival training, military, whatever. Just give me a brief background. Well, I grew up building forts as a kid, you know, I was outside all the time. Okay, you're 47. What's the last time you were out? I was 12. I was camping with my dad. I'm like, and you thought this was the challenge for you to sign up to go 21 days completely naked with one item? Thank you very much for playing. I mean, it's just, and I, I love their ambition without of the force, of course but I have to have me honestly look at these people because I'm about to assign you to John here. And if you can't bring anything to the table, how's that fair to John? And I want people to be challenged. So I have to really diligently be responsible. I, I have a lot of responsibility put myself that, sure, when they pass me, they're going to the next casting phase. Then it's on them to be interesting enough or crazy looking or be funny or whatever to get cast. But if they're going out there, gonna have, uh, I owe it to them and their partners to right. have something to bring to the table. And uh, even if it's being very funny and, and, and taking everything lighthearted, and can get through it. And we've got a lot of people quit over the last few seasons because um, mm-hmm. we had to bring in other people to, to cast me. I'm not saying I'm the, so great because they're all back to me, but uh Thankfully, I was. When I went to Sears school
0: and was a contract instructor there,
1: I got to, I was an infantry guy, I got to go
0: to schools so learn like, I could
1: question people, profile them, read them, so I could know, play the part of an interrogator, but those skills I had no idea were going to be used later on to, show to make sure that they have what it takes, they're not lying to me, and you know because we've had some people with causes trying to get on the show, and this that's not what we're about. We're about putting two people out there to have an experience that the audience can get on with, and find some of the they relate to, that right. I they live through or learn from us. I probably got off a little bit off the rails <laughs> with the first question you asked me, but um, you know, all good stuff.
0: No, I love it, and I guess my last question kind of really is. You, obviously, Naked Afraid is on Discovery Channel, but these other networks like, say, History or National Geographic or Disney or TNT or whatever these other networks you've been a part of, are you tied into Discovery or what if what if the show alone, which I think is on a different network, was like, okay. yeah, could you, could you yeah, yeah. come out and do this or you, do you have to ask Discovery, here's- hey, out of respect to Naked Afraid, the brand, right. could I do this show?
1: Right. Well, here's what happens. It's all about contract. It's all about That's having exactly. a great a great manager or an attorney on your side who knows how to negotiate these things and make sure your exclusivity disappears once the show ends or shortly thereafter. Uh, the, the contracts say for like Survivor and CBS are so draconian. They, could, they own you for like three years. When I first did my first stuff with uh, Naked Afraid, they practically owned me for quite a while. And then I had the second um, opportunity come up and I got myself a manager Uh, who's also an attorney, and um, he renegotiated to make sure my exclusivity was next to nothing. So if you want to go do another show or whatever, Discovery, if you're in contract exclusivity period, they'll have a first right of refusal period to, if you get offered something, they can match it. And if they can't match it, they can let you go for the other opportunity. So I had that happen for Ultimate Survival Alaska. Unfortunately, by the time Discovery said I could go do that race, uh, I had less than a week to get up there and get all my sponsors to get me my gear because you had to have your own gear.
0: Right. Uh,
1: right. To give gear to give you. So I was like, well, I'm not going to go because I'm, I'm not going to be all prepared. I didn't right. have uh, time to Alone has the, the casting people want me out in, 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 on that and that The problem is, uh, History Sounds like, "Oh, well, we don't cross network or cross shows. We don't have any negative free people on our show, which I laughed at. I said, but you have me auditioning all the time to host other shows that are on History Channel. So what's the problem? <laughs> You'll be out there forever. It wouldn't be fair to the others. So I'm like, well, just let me have my knife and the other 10 common items everybody gets. I'll go out there with just my knife and those 10 common items, and everybody else can have their 10 items that they choose to bring. And we'll see how we go if you want to make it fair that way. We'll just let us all get let me go in there for you know go in there first and then get off the boat. Oh by the way, you Snyder's <laughs> out here. They can all get on the boat and give me the, the, the half million dollars and <laughs> <then> we can all go home early. But <laughs> <laughs> I really would love that challenge, just to challenge myself. I've gone out for long periods of time. I've been in the wild by myself for long periods of time. And I think, you know, hundred days in the army And my hats off to
0: all those that have
1: accomplished that because that is really something. And isolation, part of the laws of freeze, is humans cannot be by themselves for more than three months. The reason is is we start to go crazy unless you're eccentric enough to entertain yourself and can pull it off and, and understand that the camera's your friend. That's your Wilson, as in Castaway Wilson uh and and you're talking to the audience and relating to them and that takes a special kind of person to be able to do it. And not many can. Uh, but that alone show is an amazing uh uh I've got a lot of friends from that from that series and um you know they're they're different things and when Naked Afraid said, Oh we gonna do Naked Afraid alone I was like man I wish you would have named it something else because you know Naked Afraid should maybe solo or right. Something like that uh, other than the alone title Because people are like, oh They're, they're uh, Alones alone they're, 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 People just get into semantics over naming conventions And I was just like Just watch it for what it, what it is
0: so Now before, before I let you go where can people kind of find you on social media, Instagram, Twitter? Your website's great, kind of lays out everything you talked about, your training, your classes, and your gear. Is there anything else that uh, people can find yet?
1: Web- website's updating. Uh, continuously, it's a living, breathing thing. So it's www.ejstar.com. There are social media links there. I'm launching into my YouTube channel this year to rebuild it. It uh, was taken down for a while, got hacked. Out of discovery imaging, all that. So I'm going to read, I'm working on that this year um, for all my social medias. There's links there, but you can go to Twitter and Instagram at EJ Snyder, three, three, three on Facebook, go to EJ skull crusher Snyder. I got 97,000 followers there. That's how you'll know you're at the right page. Don't go to my personal page. I don't even use it anymore. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Some other Social medias out now. I'm on Cameo. If you want to shout out, for your loved one, go hook me up on Cameo and I'll give you a birthday shout out or a celebratory. Now, for
0: that cameo, they don't have you be like, hey, can you say this naked, do they?
1: Uh, some have asked me to. <laughs> uh, I don't have a blur machine yet, but I'm working on it. But I will get kind of naked and put a big leaf up if you want. You know, yeah, I, It may cost you a little extra, a better tip, possibly. Uh,
0: yeah, for yes. sure. Based, based on it, the like, leaf. You can
1: get your favorite, you know, you, if you're Husbands or wife is a fan of the show. Uh, there's a bunch of us on there. It's a great way to go. So, yeah, look for the upload. Uh, uh, we've got a lot of things getting ready to pop here. My knife is on uh, topsknives.com. And uh, we're looking at some I uh, got some food brands. I've uh, been working on some food because water and food are, are some critical things that I think. And if you have it right, you know, like in Texas, they're complaining about people who can't get fresh water. Right. Get some, water bottle some other water system and make sure you can have fresh water. Like water bottle. Or uh, and when it comes down to food, uh, good nutritional food that Mountain House, uh, all the other brands that are out there, the hikers use the backpackers, high in sodium, high in fat, not very nutritious, not a lot of good Protein, like hard protein, eating, but when you get a product like Aftershock or Skull Pressure Survival Foods or um, Nutrient Survival, working with high nutrition, high vitamins. Even our cookies have high protein and vitamins in them. Can you believe that? You can eat a chocolate chip cookie and get all the protein and vitamins. When you're your body is a machine. Good, pure water and food
0: intake is critical
1: to keep you going.
0: Love it. And so we also have something to look forward to uh, mid-April, maybe end of April, uh, possibly, with uh, maybe, yeah, or someone, li- maybe someone Plus. like you. Get Discovery Plus.
1: Get it early, and you get some free early viewing of these things.
0: Uh, I love it. And uh, well, EJ, this has been great. I want to thank you. I'll have you on again to too after that uh, thing that comes see. out or whatever. And uh, but be safe. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your service to the country. And uh, I would thanks you all for what you're doing, John. And
1: I kind of heard that we might be putting out some survival training together. Yeah,
0: maybe I mean maybe we'll, we'll talk about stuff. that uh, end of April, mid, or beginning of May. But uh, yeah for me to have the opportunity to train with someone like you and, and have maybe help uh, have other people see that being trained by you. Like it's, it's just, I do think it's, everyone should get this type of training, whether it's learning how to start a fire or, yeah or building a, a, a home and, with sticks or how to trap, just stuff like that. Where it's really- yeah,
1: it, it, And that's what I'm into is the basics of survival and making sure everybody knows how to get a roof over your head Get some fire going, get some water in your system long enough to be saved. And how to build a good survival kit so that if you're you know you're you're the mom in the van, gets driven off the road in a winter situation, you know what to do. And that's I love training the common people. I love people that where this is out of their reach of affordability, I try to make it affordable because I want everyone should know how to save the lives of themselves and others. And so with some basic good techniques. Good survival kit, knowing how to put a roof over your head or or make something work for shelter. Get a fire going in in one of many ways, whether it's jumping the car battery or using a fire starter, and good, clean, fresh drinking water. Uh, Food, you'll figure that out when you get hungry enough.
0: That's what I always tell everybody. Have a good one, EJ. Thank you for this. Take care, John. Yeah!